High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. Well, it's great to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, many of you know Pastor Stacy and I, we were out traveling last weekend and ministered in three different churches, one on Friday night, one on Saturday night, one on Sunday morning. And uh, it's amazing uh, the challenges of flying today. Uh, we were up in Minnesota and we finally got home after we were supposed to fly out on Sunday evening, uh, uh, kind of late, but uh, we ended up getting home Tuesday night. Uh, but we did finally make it and then went immediately into services. And wow, what a tremendous and what a powerful uh, time we had in our conference this past week. How many of you were a part of it and were able to be here? It was tremendous. Let me tell you, people's lives were changed. We had young people that were saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, baptized in water also. How many? About 40 people were baptized, I think. About 20, I'm sorry, about 20. 20 young people were baptized in water in the Gulf of Mexico, down here in Mexico Beach. And uh, just some wonderful things took place. People were delivered, set free. Lives were changed. Many uh, wonderful things. And, you know, a lot of times you have to also just understand a lot of good seed was sown into the lives of uh, youth and young adults. And this is a tremendous conference. And so uh, thankful for all of our high praise staff who worked so hard, so diligently. Can we give a big praise God for our high praise staff? Amen. Originally, I was supposed to preach this morning, and man, I was rip-roaring, ready to go, and uh, we had lunch uh, yesterday, of course, Friday night, Pastor Alex Gallion ministered a powerful word, a life-changing word, and we had lunch on Saturday, told us he was going back, somebody else was preaching, and I talked with Pastor Joshua, I said, well, listen, if he's not, uh, I think it'd be great if our whole congregation could actually receive from his ministry, and he agreed to stay, and so... Uh, that messed me up a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, I, but, I, you know, y'all get to hear me a lot. You get to hear me all the time. If you've been here for any length of time, you heard me preach a whole lot. And I'll still be here, not going to go anywhere, but uh, I'll be, we're just kind of shifting our schedule around. Uh, but uh, Alex, uh, Pastor Alex, he, he uh, it's Overflow Church, Overflow, is it Overflow Church uh, in Tennessee. Is it McKenzie, Tennessee? Hey, I got it right. McKenzie, Tennessee, uh, he and his lovely wife, Samantha, they pastor there, a powerful, thriving church that's affecting the community, the territory, the region. They're not just an evangelistic church and interested, involved in uh, getting people saved, but they're actually affecting their community, their territory. They are a prophetic apostolic voice that's in that region and area. And I would like for us just to stand and let's give honor to the man of God as he comes this morning. By the way, come on, give a big high praise for him, amen. I gotta tell you, he told me this, uh, 2012 was the first time I ever went to the ramp, and you can be seated, to minister, and actually Alex was a student at the ramp uh, the first time that I uh, actually came to uh, minister at the ramp, and that's why he's so full of knowledge and wisdom and understand. Y'all give it up for him one more time. High praise PCB, man. How you guys doing this morning? Right, that's amazing. Like, like Pastor Robert, Apostle Robert, like you mentioned, my name is Alex Gallion. I am the lead pastor of Overflow Church in McKenzie, Tennessee, along 
alongside my beautiful wife, Samantha. Sam, raise your hand real quick. Let them know who you are. Just up front, if she has to walk out of the service today, it's not because she hates my preaching that much. It's because she's a little sick at the moment, but that's okay because she's sick because she's 13 weeks pregnant with our first baby that's on the way. So ladies, do me a favor. Shower my baby mama with all the advice and all the wisdom that you can on your way out today, but do me another favor and don't tell our church. We haven't announced it to them yet. We haven't let the cat out of the bag. It's still a surprise, so we want to be able to do that. But that said, I cannot tell you how much of an honor it is to be here right now. Like you mentioned, I got to preach the final night of movement conference, which in case you weren't here for it, it was absolutely phenomenal. The whole week was phenomenal. Matter of fact, do we have any high-praise students in the room right now? Make some noise. Let me know where you're at. Come on, man. In case you guys are disconnected and you've never been here on a Wednesday night, you need to know that you have a top-notch youth group around here. It is not normal. These kids are passionate for God. They're hungry for God. And honestly, we shouldn't expect anything less with leaders like Pastors Garrett and Becca and their entire youth team. They're, they're absolutely amazing. He said, yeah, give it up for me, man. Yeah, and that's not even a mention. The other just multitude of dynamic leaders you guys have around here, between Apostles Robert and Stacy and Pastors Josh and Miranda and the other amazing staff that you guys have captaining the ship here at High Praise, I'm telling you, you are a blessed group of people. So could you take five seconds and just thank God for the people leading? Come on, man. All right, now I, I feel like I have a very specific word today. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. For those of you that are new to Christianity, that is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And I'm not going to give you very much time to turn there because I don't want to waste any of your time this morning. So we're going to be in Matthew 4, and I'm just going to make you read two verses. Matthew 4, 1 through 2, it says this. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, like anybody else in this room would be, he was hungry. He was hungry. He was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, we'll come back to these verses here in just a moment. But first, I need y'all to do me a favor. If you are 30 years old and up, raise your hand. Let me see where you're at. Okay. That's, I figured that would probably be the majority of the room. And so if you raised your hand just then then like me, you probably remember growing up as a child and regularly experiencing this now phenomenon that we used to refer to as boredom. Do you guys remember being bored as a kid? Just bored. Out? I remember being bored as a kid. My, my dad lived way out in the country. He didn't have asphalt for me to play basketball on. I was playing basketball in the grass. I'm not Larry Bird. I'm not doing that. I, he didn't have anywhere for me to ride my bike. I remember sitting in the house and just watching deer. As a kid, like, I remember being bored, and at the risk of sounding old, if you grew up as a small child in the early 2000s, I want to make sure you know that you had it made. You had it made. You had free Wi-Fi, or I mean, not free Wi-Fi, you had fast Wi-Fi, you had iPhones, you had iPads, you had Xbox Live, you had it made. You have no idea what boredom is, and I don't want you to think that you do. You don't, but for the rest of us, we know what it means to be bored. Do you guys remember? What it was like in a waiting room before you had an iPhone? How terrible. You had to sit in a waiting room for two hours flipping through two-year-old home and garden magazines, acting like you cared about what Martha Stewart had to say before she got canceled. It was, it was horrible. If you were lucky, maybe they had a TV in there. 
But it was, if you're like me, it was always playing Jerry Springer, and it was muted because they didn't want all the cussing in the waiting room. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember going on long car trips, like long travel trips with your parents before you had DVD players in the car? Before you could play Candy Crush the entire time? What'd you have to do? If your parents were talking to each other, or if they were like listening to old people music, the, I don't know, the Eagles, I don't know, is that old people music? If they were listening to whatever music, that they, I know some of y'all are like, that's my band. If they were listening to music that you didn't want to listen to, what'd you have to do? You, you, you listened to it, or you sat your head on the window and you just looked. <laughs> Semi. <laughs> Semi. You just stared at cars the entire time. Or you stared out the window and you maybe saw some dead deer on the side of the road. If you grew up in Tennessee like I did, or again, if you were lucky, you had a friend with you and you played I Spy. But if, if you weren't lucky, you just sat there and did nothing for hours. Nothing. Long before we had cell phones and fast Wi-Fi and Netflix and podcast and Spotify and Apple Music to do the work of preoccupying all of our attention during any potentially bored moment of our day, every single one of us was well acquainted with the now strange sensation that we refer to as boredom. And it's not that I think we should go back to the dark ages of dial-up internet or cable TV. No one wants that. You don't want to log onto the internet and have to hear while it was clogging up your phone line. I'm not saying that we want to go back to those ages, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to consider something, okay? The moment that you feel a hint of boredom starting to creep up at any time, whether you're in line at Starbucks, whether you're at home sitting on the couch on a Sunday afternoon, the moment you feel a hint of boredom creeping up, what's the first thing that you do? Be honest. You grab your phone. Someone knew it. You grab your phone to make a quick scroll through Instagram or Facebook, depending on how old you are. You shop on Amazon, you check your email, you listen to Spotify, listen to Apple Music, watch Netflix. If you're young, you, you binge watch TikTok for an hour and a half and you have no idea where the time went. My guess is that no matter what age you are, you're a culprit of that. We're all culprits of that. And here's the thing. That way of living has drastic consequences with our relationship with God in the life that he has for us. This addiction to distraction, because that's what it is, this addiction to distraction is robbing us and it's robbing our children from the ability to be present with our spouse, with our friends, with each other. It's robbing us from the ability to be present with our thoughts, with our emotions, with our soul, and most dangerously, it's robbing us from the ability to be present with God himself. John Mark Homer, he says it like this. He says, the noise of the modern world is making us deaf to the voice of God. The noise of the modern world, and the busyness of the modern world, is making us deaf to the voice of God, which is the one input that we need more than anything. And how are you supposed to develop anything resembling a spiritual life at all if you can't even pay attention for more than five minutes at a time? How are you supposed to pray? How are you supposed to read your Bible? How are you supposed to listen to a teaching at church? Matter of fact, how are you even supposed to go to sleep at night if every moment of the day you find yourself constantly grasping after that dopamine dispenser that we refer to as a telephone or as an iPhone or as an Android? If you're an Android user in here, we're, we're praying for you. No judgment here. How, how, how are you even supposed to have a spiritual life? The, the, the answer to that is you're, you're not. You're not going to have one. It's why... All of the early church fathers, people who vehemently disagreed with each other about a bunch of stuff, the one thing that they nearly all collectively agree concerning 
is that outside of the spiritual disciplines of just reading your Bible and prayer, the most needed and most necessary discipline of the modern age is the regular practice of silence and solitude. And it's not just the early church fathers that agree with this. I mean, take, take some time and read through the Bibles. Think, think about the biblical heroes of the faith. First example, think about Moses. And I'm not talking about the Prince of Egypt, Moses. That's a great movie. It's an even better soundtrack. It's fantastic. But I'm talking about the Moses of the Bible. You remember his story? He grows up in Egypt. He kills an Egyptian. He runs out of Egypt because Pharaoh is like going to kill him. And then what does he do? He spends the next 40 years of his life in a desert as a shepherd. 40 long, lonely, boring days of sheep, silence, and solitude. And it was during, I said days, 40 long, lonely, boring years full of days with sheep, silence, and solitude. And it was during those 40 years of silence and solitude that Moses ends up hearing a word from God out of a burning bush that would change the course of history forever. It was during those 40 years of silence and solitude that God would turn Moses into the man that would eventually lead the people of Egypt out of Egyptian, or lead the people of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. It doesn't stop with Moses. Think about David. Quite possibly outside of Moses, the most important Old Testament figure, man. And before David <clears throat> was slaying giants, before David was ruling over Israel as their king, again, like Moses, David spent the early part of his life as a shepherd in the wilderness, tending sheep, writing songs, and falling in love with God quietly and alone. Then you fast forward a couple thousand years and you get to this legend named John the Baptist who, according to Jesus, is the greatest Old Testament human that has ever existed. And John the Baptist, I want you to think about who he was. He's a solitary prophet who spent the majority of his adult life in the desert wilderness devoting his entire existence to fasting, praying, and being alone with God. And it was there in the desert, away from the noise of society, away from the noise of the modern world, where God equipped him to be the voice that prepared the way for Jesus himself. And that then, of course, leads us to Jesus himself. Once again, look at our original verses from today. Matthew 4, 1 through 2. Then Jesus, like Moses, like John the Baptist, like David, he was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now that word wilderness there, it's really important. And it can also be translated as desert. And that should make a lot of sense because the people that you read about in the Bible, they're in the Middle East. And there's deserts everywhere. But when you think about the desert, what I don't want you to think about is that picture of rolling hills of sand and blistering heat and sunlight and mirages, when you think about the word desert, I need you to think about the Greek word for the word desert. And this is the word aremos, okay? And on the count of three, I just want you to say that word with me because it's a big word for us today. So on the count of three, just say aremos. One, two, three, aremos, aremos. Now again, I had you say it because it's an important word and it can be translated in a lot of different ways. It can mean, aremos can mean desert, it can mean wilderness, it can mean deserted place, it can mean desolate place, but it can also be translated solitary place, and my personal favorite, the quiet place. And all through the Gospels, we repeatedly see Jesus running to and fleeing to the Aramos, to the quiet place, to the desolate 
place, to the place where he was all by himself. And I just kind of choose to touch on this story first because this 40-day fast that Jesus went on in the Aramos, it was the launch pad for his earthly ministry. And I think if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, that's probably a little countercultural. Because if you and I were Jesus and we were getting ready to launch the most important ministry in the history of the world, my guess is that your first thing is probably not, hey, let's go spend 40 days in the wilderness by myself not eating any food or drinking any water. It's probably not the first thing. If you're going to do that, and if I'm going to do that, my guess is that the first thing we're going to do is take to social media and be like, hey, everybody, I'm the Jewish Messiah. I'm the Savior of the world. I've come to make you right with God. I've come to forgive your sins. I'm going to do a lot of really important things. We're going to raise some people from the dead. And in 40 days from now, I'm planting a church. And so if you guys want to come be a part and hang out with us, there's going to be free coffee and donuts. We'll see you there. You know, or maybe more realistically, we would have just showed up in a crowded town full of people and started performing miracles everywhere. But that's not what Jesus does at all. According to the Bible, it says... The first thing the Holy Spirit had Jesus do was head straight into the solitary, straight into the silent, quiet, and lonely Aramos. And this is the same rhythm that Jesus maintained throughout his entire ministry. I want to give you some examples. In Mark 6, at one point, he and his disciples are working so hard that they forgot to eat. Any parents in the room ever been there? You've been taking care of your kids so much you forgot to eat? That's so some of you this morning. You got up, you're getting them ready, you're putting them in all their rain clothes, you're feeding them, you're getting their teeth brushed, you're making sure they're taking showers and their they're like shoes are tied, you're checking them in to the kids, you know, the kids area, and you get in here and after the first song of worship, you're like, oh, I didn't get my donut. You know what I'm saying? You felt it. This is the same thing that's happening right here. They've worked so hard that they've forgotten to eat. And Jesus, after they're done ministering, he doesn't say, hey, let's go to Taco Bell and get a Crunchwrap Supreme. You know what he does? He looks at his disciples and he says, I know what you guys need. I want you to come with me to the Aramos, to come with me to this quiet and silent place. And I want you guys to be alone with God, with me. And you want to know why Jesus does this? Because what he understands is that if you really want to access the kind of full and vibrant and thriving experience with God that's available for you, as a disciple of Jesus and as a friend of Jesus, what you don't need is another Netflix day. What you don't need is another bowl of ice cream. What you don't need is just a few beers with your buddies. What you need is some time alone in the presence of God. If you keep reading the Bible, you get to the book of Luke. Jesus, in Luke, it's recorded that he takes off to the Aramos, to the silent place, nine Different times. It's recorded in the book of Luke. I mean, read it at some point. The more popular that Jesus gets and the more demand it's on him to go places and to do things, and the busier his schedule gets, the more time he spends by himself, the more time he spends in the lonely place. And I've always found that ironic because it's the exact opposite with us. The busier our schedules get, the less time we spend with God, right? And I know some of you are like, Alex, you just told off on yourself. You don't even have kids. You don't know my life. I'm happy for Sam, but you don't have children yet, and you don't know me. I've got to get up. I've got to feed them. I've got to take them to school, go to work, pay the bills. I've got to study for this test. I've got to play on this team. I've got to look good on social media. I've got to play Xbox Live. You don't know my schedule. And you're right. I don't know your schedule, but I want you to consider this. Jesus needed time alone in the silence with God. Jesus needed time alone in the silence with God. And we think we don't? That's wild. Don't play yourself. 
You need time alone in the presence of God. In fact, if you think back to Mark chapter 1, we, we read about it or a, a second ago. Mark 1, you get Jesus' first day on the job as the Messiah. It's great. He comes out of this 40-day fast. The first thing he does is he spends the early part of the morning preaching in the synagogue, casting a demon out of a guy. Then later on, he probably walks a couple of miles. He gets to Peter's mother-in-law's house. He heals her of a sickness. And the Bible says that he then spent, he, he worked well into the nighttime hours and then spent the entire night casting demons out of and healing every sick person in the entire city, a.k.a. our boy Jesus, was exhausted. And you want to know how he recouped and recovered from that exhaustion? He didn't eat an entire pizza all by himself. And he didn't watch movies all night long. And he didn't scroll on TikTok for hours upon hours. Let's see what he did. Mark 1.35. It says, In rising early that next morning, while it was still dark outside, he departed and he went out to a desolate place, to the Aramos, to the quiet place. And there he prayed. There he spent time in the presence of God. So he spends 40 days fasting and praying by himself in the presence of God, in the silence and in the solitude. He comes out of that and works for one day. And the first thing he does is go right back to the Aramos. And that's because Jesus knew what he really needed to be happy and to be content and to be fulfilled and to be whole. He understood what he really needed to be happy despite the chaos and the busyness of life. And it wasn't a raise and it wasn't a new car and it wasn't another tattoo and it wasn't another boyfriend and it wasn't another episode of New Girl. He knew what he actually needed and it was some time alone with God. That is where Jesus found his confidence. That's where he found his healing. That's where he found his strength. And when we commit to those same, the, to the same way of living, to those same rhythms of life every day, the rhythms of silence and solitude, that's exactly what's going to happen for us too. I need you to remind yourself, it's not binge watching pornography or drinking or getting high or another late night snack that's actually going to make you feel better. And I know that you're convinced that what you need to recenter yourself is one more episode of Friends or jumping into yet another romantic relationship, even though the last four have already failed. But according to Jesus, that is not what you need. According to Jesus, what you need to really feel better is to get by yourself, turn your phone off, turn your TV off, shut your mouth, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and just enjoy some silence and solitude in the presence of God. I heard one author say it like this. I loved it. I thought it was so true. He said, the people that you are the most comfortable being quiet around, those are the people that you're the most comfortable with in general. You ever thought about that? The people that you don't have to talk to 24-7, you can just hang out with, those are the people you're the most comfortable with. I cannot tell you how true that is. For me and Sam... Clearly, I am the talker in our relationship, and when we first started dating, I never let there be a moment of awkward silence because I didn't want her to think that I wasn't interested in her. So I filled every gap in the conversation with questions and with talking, but the older that we've gotten and the more we've been around each other, that happens less and less and less because now we're familiar with each other and we're comfortable with each other. Now, we can go on long walks or lay on the beach or go go driving for hours and not say a single word because now 
Now the goal of our relationship isn't entertaining each other. Now the goal of our relationship is just being with each other. And if that's true, if the people that you're the most comfortable with are the people that you can be quiet around, then, it's, then one could argue that if you feel uncomfortable with silent prayer, if you feel uncomfortable just being quiet in the presence of God, then it may actually prove just how unfamiliar you are with God. And if, and if that's you, I want you to make, make sure you know, I get it. I get it. Okay, let's be honest. Whether you're a charismatic Christian who grew up being taught that prayer was you just incessantly praying in tongues 24-7 or you always crying out in intercession on behalf of someone else or whether you're like me and you just like to fill all the awkward gaps in every conversation or whether you're a person who shrieks at the idea of being alone with you, yourself, and your thoughts for too long, the idea of silence and contemplation and reflection and quiet meditation, that can be kind of intimidating, like no background music during my prayer time, no talking during my prayer time, no asking for anything, just sitting and listening. It can be intimidating. And I, you know, the only reason that I can even talk about this is because for the last two years, God's been doing a work in me and teaching me how to do this. And so here at the end of this message, I just want to leave you guys with three really practical takeaways and three tips on how to begin cultivating a, a healthy time of silence and solitude with the Lord. And so if you're above and beyond and you are taking notes right now, I want you to write this down. Your first tip, number one, is this. Learn how to create the quiet. Number one, learn how to create the quiet. In Mark 6, we mentioned it a second ago, Jesus beckons his disciples to come to the Aramos with him, to come be alone with him. But unfortunately what happens like if you read the whole story, is that the entire crowd follows them out there. And so Jesus, he sends his disciples away. He says, get on this boat, go to the other side of the lake. And that's what they do. And he stays in the wilderness all by himself all night long just so he could be alone with God. And that's what you're going to have to do sometimes as well. You're going to have to create the quiet. You're going to have to do whatever it takes because no matter how good you get at scheduling your Bible time or your prayer time, it is going to get interrupted sometimes. It's going to get interrupted by a crying baby, by an angry spouse, by an anxious roommate, or by a call from work. And when it does, that's okay. That's just called being a human. It's going to happen from time to time. But when it does, you have to go out of your way to create the quiet. It's why the psalmist, he would say, I, Lord, I will awaken the dawn. Or in other words, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to be alone with God. If I have to get up early, if I have to go to bed late, if I have to miss out on a little bit of sleep, I'm going to do whatever it takes. And honestly, for some of us, missing out on a little bit of sleep might be a good idea. I mean, how many other things do you miss out on sleep for? We miss out on sleep for Netflix. We miss out on sleep for concerts, for YouTube, for football games. When was the last time you missed out on a little bit of sleep to enjoy the presence of God? What, think about what. When was the last time you developed some dark circles as the result of just being in love with God? Think about it. Where'd you get your dark circles from? I know you got good makeup on and you're covering up the dark circles, but they're probably there. So where'd they come from? Was it Grey's Anatomy? Was it, was it the club? Have you ever developed any dark circles as a result of staying up late and just being with God? Have you ever developed any dark circles as a result of getting up early in the morning and seeking the presence of God? If you're a Christian, 
If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have to do whatever it takes to create the quiet. For some of you, that may mean getting off of social media forever. And if you do, just know you're not missing out on anything. It is a toxic wasteland out there. Get off of social media. For others of you, that it, it may mean unsubscribing, canceling your subscription to Netflix or Hulu or Peacock or Amazon. Not only will you get more sleep and spend more time with God, you'll save money. It's like a, it's, there's only good to come from that. And then for some of you, that may mean that it's time to put your phone to bed when you put your kids to bed. But you got to do whatever it takes to create the quiet. Number two, if you're taking notes, as it goes with silence and solitude and prayer, you got to remember that it is about relationship, not technique. Okay? There's no such thing as a professional prayer warrior. There's no such thing as the spiritual gift of praying. It's nowhere in the Bible. And there is no such thing as praying the right way. I, someone in here needs to hear this, especially our younger people. There is no such, what, such thing as praying the right way. Matter of fact, when it comes to silent prayer, silent prayer is when you sacrifice your need to be right and you just embrace your need to be with God. That's what it's all about anyways. And no, when you try to embrace some silence and solitude, it's going to take some practice and you're not going to be good at it. Matter of fact, if you leave today and you're like, I'm going to spend 10 minutes all by myself, no music, just me and God. You know what's going to happen during that 10 minutes? You're going to get distracted 10 times during that 10 minutes. I promise you. And don't fret over it when you do. do don't fret over it. It's, it's really not a big deal because even if you have to refocus your attention back on God 10 times in 10 minutes, guess what? That's 10 times that day you've refocused your attention on God. How many, how many days go by when you don't even do that one time? And yet on that day, you've done it 10 times. That's a big deal. It's just another word of advice, okay? Sometimes when, I, when I'm like with God in prayer and I'm not even talking, sometimes I sense the power of the Holy Spirit and I get a word from God and something crazy cool happens and I'm reading the Bible and something jumps out at me and, and, I, and I like experience the love and power and mercy of God in a way that I never have. And sometimes it feels like I wasted 10 minutes. Sometimes it feels like I wasted 30 minutes because nothing spectacular happens. And if that's the case, I need you to remember that that's okay. That's okay. And that leads us to point number three, which is this. When you're praying in the silent and in the quiet, and you're just hanging out with God, embrace the boring. Embrace the boring. I don't, we never talk about this, and I'm not sure why pastors are bad. I don't, I don't know if they talk about it. I'm sure they have because your pastors pray like a lot, and, and they're good at this. But I know I did not grow up hearing pastors tell me, and, and just own the fact that sometimes prayer is boring. Has anyone told you that? Like for some, some of you, if you were just honest about why you don't pray, if you were just honest, you'd say, I don't pray because prayer is boring sometimes. And it, my response to you, if I was honest, would be, yeah, yeah, prayer is boring sometimes. Like it, it is, and I'm not sure why we can't admit that, but we should admit that, and we should expect that sometimes. In fact, my wife is getting better and better at this the older she gets. I, I knew my wife literally a year after she got saved. And I remember back in the day, she would go and try to spend time with God. And she, nothing crazy would happen. Nothing mind-blowing would happen. She wouldn't get a word from God that changed everything about her. She'd come out of her prayer time and she'd be like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong. I don't know if this is God mad at me. Am I not hearing from God? What's up? Do you have any advice for me? And my only advice would be like, welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Because that, and this is my advice to you too. Welcome to the club. Don't get discouraged when you go into your prayer time and you don't get a crazy word from God that changes your life and you don't see an angel and you don't fall out in the spirit, that is okay. That's okay, in fact. That's not the goal of prayer anyways. 
The goal of prayer isn't just hearing from God. The goal of prayer is being with God. The, the gift of prayer is the same gift of every relationship. And the gift is just time spent with each other. That's the gift. And so if nothing crazy happens, don't feel like you're not doing something right. You, you're fine. If, if you don't have all these good feelings, that's okay. In fact, I heard one author say it like this. He says, silence is what God uses to purify us from the false God of good feelings. Silence is what God uses to purify us from the false God of good feelings. And if there's any group of people on planet Earth that need to hear this, it is people like you and I, Pentecostal, charismatic Christians, who love screaming and who love shouting and who love dynamic worship services and who love feeling good at church and don't miss, hear me, good feelings aren't wrong. Good feelings aren't bad. God created you to have good feelings. But at the same time, we don't worship spiritual experiences and we don't worship good feelings. We worship God. God is the object of our worship. God is the object of our prayer time. And so many times, so many times, anyone that spent time in prayer will tell you this. It's the mundane moments of prayer. The moments where you don't cry and nothing crazy happens and you don't feel anything and maybe you don't say anything at all. It's in those mundane moments when God grows you and he matures you and, and he elevates you. It's in those mundane moments of prayer when you graduate from being a rookie in the faith to a father in the faith. So don't, don't dishonor those mundane moments of prayer, man. Through the week, there has got to be times of reflection and contemplation and listening where you set yourself apart from the crowd and apart from your kids and apart from your phone and apart from your TV and you just allow God himself to refresh and restore your soul. It's so, it's so important. For years, I lived in Alabama and I served on staff at a ministry there called The Ramp. And for those of you who've never heard of The Ramp or been to The Ramp, it is the loudest and most energetic church in the history of the Christian church. It is so cool, and I loved every second of being there. And at, at the time, whenever I was there, it was the last winter whenever I was there, and uh, we host youth conferences all the time back in the day, and kids from all over the southeast would come in, and this time through, we were hosting a youth conference in the winter for the first time in a long time, and I was serving as the youth pastor there uh, uh, at the moment, but I didn't really have a role at the conference, but uh, I showed up that night to, to go to one of the winter conferences just to help out and serve however it is I could, do whatever it is I needed to do. And I remember walking away from the conference that night, and for the first time in my life, like normally the first night of a conference, you were like, you walk away hype, like you're ready, this is amazing, I'm so refreshed, I'm so restored, I'm ready to go, passionate about God, ready to serve God, and this time it was totally different. I walked away feeling spiritually depleted, and just drained, and I was praying about it. I was like, Lord, again, I'm going, did I not worship enough? Did I not jump enough? Did I, is there anything that I'm doing here? And I remember hearing God ask me to do something he's, he had never asked me to do before. He said, do me a favor. Instead of going tomorrow night, I want you to stay at home, and I want you to spend just some quality time in my presence away from the crowd. I want you to just listen to me. And I was like, oh, okay, I hope that's okay. I hope I don't get in trouble, you know, because I'm on staff here. And I told Sam, and she had a role in the conference. And she's like, yeah, stay at home and do it. And so she left. She went to the conference that next night, and I stayed home. And I sat in my living room, and I created the ambiance. You know, you can't pray with your 
put your big light on. You have to put your lamp lights on. And I, so I got my decaf coffee because it was late at night. Me and your grandpa are the only two that still drink decaf coffee. But I did. Got my decaf Folgers. I sat in my living room. And I slowly read the Bible. And I just spent some quality time listening to the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, I remember getting one of the most important words that I'd ever received. I'm listening. I'm just listening to God and enjoying the presence of God. And for the first time, I felt like the Lord asked me to listen to black gospel music. And I'll just be honest with you. That's not my first choice. It's not my last choice. But I'm not usually probably going to listen to black gospel music. But I said, all right, that's cool. But I didn't even know where to start. So I get on Apple Music. And I just click shuffle. And a song comes on by Tasha Cobb called I'm Getting Ready. And I'm listening to it. And she sings this song. And in the song, if you've heard it, she says, get ready for overflow. Get ready for overflow. Get ready for overflow. And the Lord was so clear. He says, this is your word for this season. Write it down. And so I went to my little whiteboard on my fridge that we wrote our grocery list on. And I wrote, get ready for overflow. God is ready to send us overflow. And I'm telling Sam about it. And we kind of assumed that it was for one of two things. Number one, she just opened up a salon there in Hamilton. And so we're thinking, he's about to send an overflow of clients, an overflow of money, an overflow of business. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I receive it. Make her my sugar mama. Let her come through for us and make all the money. Send overflow to the salon. And we went to the salon, and we put little sticky notes on the mirrors so that every time we looked at them, we'd say, God, we believe it. Send overflow. This is our word. Over get ready for overflow. And then the other thing that we thought it might be was I was a youth pastor. So I'm thinking like any good youth pastor, he's getting ready to send so many kids to our youth group. They're just going to be overflowing out of the room. All these kids are going to get saved, and we're going to see something crazy happen in this town. And so we are believing for it. I have my youth members. Now, just know, in this song, I'm getting ready, Nicki Minaj is featured in this song. But mind-blowing, I am praying this, or I'm, I'm playing this song in our youth prayer meetings. They're praying with Nicki Minaj, rapping in the background, some kind of weird Christian rap verse. And we're, we're praying, God, send overflow. Send overflow. We're believing for overflow. And you want to know what happened? Nothing. None of it happened. Matter of fact, not only did our youth group not blow up, a couple months later, I got let go from being the youth pastor there. I'm like thinking, what was this? Like clearly, clearly I misheard the Lord. That was obviously not a word for me. And so we forgot about it. We erased that whiteboard. We got rid of our sticky notes. And a couple months later, we end up moving back to Tennessee. And then a couple months later, I'm like interviewing for the lead pastor role at this church in McKenzie called Overflow Church. But mind you, mind you, we've forgotten about this word. We hadn't thought about this word a single time. But in that season of interviewing for the role, I'm 26. And I'm like, I need a word from God. This is not something that a 26-year-old does. We don't just decide to go lead a church. I'm like, I need a Gabriel shows up to me in my dream and says, Alex, go be the pastor of Overflow Church. That, that's what I needed. So we are fasting, and we are praying, and we have not had a word from God about what we're supposed to do. And one day, I'm pulling into my driveway, and that Tasha Cobb song comes on, and I'm like, bleh, I'm turning this. It, in my mind, that was, there, there's, no, there's no good memories with that song. In my mind, I was like, oh, I don't know, but I turned it, and the Lord just so sternly, he said, turn it back. And I was like, you know when he's real stern with you? It's not like, I love you, turn it back. Turn it back. I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. I turned it back, and when she got to that part, she said, get ready for overflow. It hit me. I was like, God has been speaking to us about this for a year and a half now. 
I had my youth group praying for this. We have our word from God. But mind you, how did I get the word initially? It was because I was willing to do what was so countercultural and not be around the crowd and not be in the hype and not be where the energy was and just spend some time all alone with God in the silence. And when I did, just like Moses did, I heard a word from God that changed my life. I heard a word from God that changed everything. And I've already mentioned that moments like that are rare, but they do happen. But unless we learn how to separate ourselves from the noise of the modern world, we're going to remain deaf to the voice of God. And I don't want that for you. And so I want to give you an opportunity this morning to do something we've probably not done around here because we've never done it at my church where we did it before. Slightly unique response, but do me a favor and stand up on your feet. And the band, you guys can go ahead and make your way up onto the stage. And I'll give you, I'll give you enough time, but we're going to roll through this pretty quick. I want to say... Cool part about your church is that your pastors write books around here. And so much of my growth in this area has come from reading books. And so I just want to do a quick little advertise. He didn't ask me to do this. But uh, uh, Apostle Robert has an entire series called Voices. And it's about silencing the voice of the enemy and learning how to hear the voice of God in your life. And so some of you need to go out here and you need to buy this book right away. And you need to learn how to do this. But I want to give you an opportunity today to just be silent for a moment. In the presence of God, and while the band is playing, they'll play keys and stuff like that, so it's not overly awkward or anything. But I felt the Lord tell me specifically that some of you have been wondering where God's voice was. You haven't heard it very clearly, and you've been thinking it's because you're doing something wrong, or it's because He's upset with you, or it's because He's frustrated with you, and you've been convincing yourself that what you really need to do is just worship harder. And what you really need to do is get rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. And what you really need to do is go to a conference and everything will change. I feel like God is saying, no, what you really need to do is learn how to get away with me in the silence and in the quiet and listen to my voice. And so this is what I want to, I want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. For the next minute, this is what I need you to do. I, I believe that God wants to speak to some of you today about your spouses, about your children, about your future about an idea, about questions that you've had, about worries and anxieties and fears that you've had. I believe he wants to step into your life and speak to you. And so I want to give you an opportunity to listen to him. So do me a favor. With your eyes closed and your hands just right out in front of you, I want us to take one minute and just be totally quiet in the presence of God. And I believe that you're going to hear his voice in this moment. Take one minute and let's do that. Just ask him to speak to you. Okay, now do me a favor. I believe that some of you heard God in a more clear way than 
you probably have in a long time. And when you hear a prophetic word, there's always some prophetic work that comes after that. When you hear a word from God, there's always a response required. So do me a favor. When you hear God's voice, the, the, the thing you should get used to doing is saying thank you. Thank you for speaking to me. So if you guys would, with hands raised all over the room, with your own voices, can you just begin thanking God for His voice and for His Holy Spirit? Come on, Lord, we thank you that we are not in this thing alone. We thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to speak to us, to comfort us, to be with us. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross and for your blood that was shed in order that the veil would be torn and we could hear and experience your voice. God, we thank you that we're not alone. I thank you that we're not alone. We thank you, God, that we're not alone. Would you just begin thanking him? Thank you for your voice. We, we want your voice. We crave your voice. We appreciate your voice. Come on. Come on. Don't stop. As the band begins to play and as we go into whatever song that we go into for the next minute, just tell them, God, thank you. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you. And my response is yes. It's yes. Even when I don't hear you. God, you are there and you are close. In Jesus' name, come on. Lift up your voice and just thank God for who he is. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.